It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. It's been a bit of a break for Manchester United, but straight back into the action on Saturday. Uh, we're going to look ahead to the West Brom game and talk various other topics about United. I'm joined by Tyrone Marshall and Samuel Luckers. Welcome to you both. Thank you again, as always. Yeah, nice to have you here. It has been Hello, a, a bit of a, a bit of a break, Samuel, but United, I guess the international break came at the worst possible time for them, and one or two injury issues as well. It, it's not been not been an ideal period for them going into this uh, this game against West Brom. No, I mean I, I the first week off, so I've not really been keeping up to date with with too much of the the Nations League games. But I think Avin from the Norwegian Supporters Club summed it up quite eloquently this week about the various issues some players have had, whether it be injury or form or a red card. In in Cavani's case, um, th- I think this this international break in particular was just pure folly. Really, the amount of COVID positive tests that back from it is, is pretty scandalous it was pretty predictable as well given that you've got hundreds of footballers thousands of footballers maybe um traveling across across the world to play games and of course you're in different environments different bubbles you don't know what what it was like there before you before you got there as well um so it's it's not a surprise that, that this has happened and a lot of clubs have been affected by it i know uh, Thai covered the um the tellers issue last week and, and the confusion surrounding that so it i don't think many clubs are in an ideal position coming back into the premier league it's just a godsend that there's no international football for four or five months uh it, it, it as i said it was it was just folly there was no rhyme or reason in playing these games when there were no crowds there was no real financial motivation there's not no there's not a nation's league next year either because you've got the euros i know international coaches need time with their players I fully understand that and that there was merit in in some games but this this break was well not really a break as such but this fortnight was was just too much it's far too excessive and United have got various issues as as you said I think Rashford's been driven into training this morning by his girlfriend which you know is, is somewhat telling really I think when that happens it's it's not because uh the, the missus wants to take take the Range Rover into hail or anything like that it's because it's it's in the best interests of the player that he doesn't overexert himself even just driving into into training so there's probably a doubt tag to him um going into that West Brom game but they have got a big squad I think it's a 31-man squad still and almost everyone is 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 fit and and available to play so it's not like Solskjaer doesn't have options to come in yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, Solskjaer making those comments after the Everton game, uh, Tyrone pretty furious with the the fixture schedulers, and obviously we've seen the um, the substitute rule is is going to change in line with with around Europe, allow clubs more substitutions, and we're getting injuries, COVID positive tests. Who'd be who'd be a manager at the minute? It seems like all the issues are stacking up for not just Solskjaer but for for all the managers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this this season is just a, a complete shambles, isn't it, at the moment? I mean, it, it sums up everything that is wrong with, with football, really. I mean, all this talk of, of rescue packages and reforming 
things and trying to even things out. And none of this has got a chance because no one in football can look beyond the end of their own nose and what's in the best interest for them, unfortunately. So things like that are never going to change. I mean, we knew we were in for a congested schedule and unprecedented season. So maybe we'll do away with the League Cup for a season. No, we won't do that. Should we break from internationals? No, we'll play more internationals instead and put another friendly in there. Should we have five subs to ease the burden on the players? No, we won't do that because then how can the smaller clubs cause an upset? It's just complete madness, really. And it is, for the managers who are still involved in Europe, it is total chaos. I mean, the number of games is just incredible. United have played twice a week, every week so far. They're going to play twice a week, every week until at least January, um, at least the start of January. If they win the League Cup quarterfinal, then they'll play twice a week until mid-January, I think. It is, the schedule is just absolutely insane. And it's it's no surprise that players are getting they're getting muscle injuries and, and things like that. And there's only going to be more of them. And then, yeah, like Samuel says, you throw in at, at, you know, at the height of a second wave of the pandemic, players going all over the world from different bubbles and mixing, then it's inevitable you're going to have more positive tests and, and isolations and, and things like that. And I suppose United should probably count their lucky stars that they're not Arsenal or Liverpool when they've got players in Egypt stuck isolating in Egypt, unsure when or how they can get them back and whether they're going to test positive or not on their arrival. So it is... It is a bit of a mess. And in the end, despite the confusion over Telles and, and Cavani's issues, it, it's probably been a, a lucky international break for United. They've come through relatively unscathed. Yeah, we just must state that we, we, we do believe that Alex Telles and Edison Cavani, um, having both been at the United training ground the last day or two, will be OK. Uh, fingers crossed. Solskjaer is holding a press conference shortly after we record this. So we'll get the, the full team news from him. Then, although Samuel is not always uh, forthcoming with with team news, as we know, what what do you expect no. him to do with the team um, this weekend against West Brom? No, he's he's not the most transparent, but he's 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 learning off the master um, in that one. You know, you could you could have a full podcast on the amount of times Fergie, um, you know, someone would be injured and then like a puff of smoke, they they come back. But I think Cavani is there today. I've been told. Um, so that he, he should be in the squad for, for West Brom. I mean, Shaw is, is, is all but out. I think Solskjaer confirmed that at Everton when he has a hamstring injury with Rashford. I, I think he's got to be filed as a doubt for the time being. But as, as, as you kind of alluded to there, by the time people are listening to this, what, what I said is probably aged and, and, and not aged very well. But he has got a big enough squad to, to offset all that. Um, I think that one of the minor issues uh, or an interesting kind of like a subplot to it that, that I touched upon in the piece this week is uh, that the midfielders are all, all fit still and all, all available. But he's, he's accommodated all six of them, I think, in nine of the 10 games this season. The only one that he didn't was the Crystal Palace game, which was the first game of the season when Matic was still quarantining. But I think something is, is going to have to give there until the five subs rule comes back in and, and benches are increased to nine substitutes again because you go back to that Everton game and he didn't have a fallback um, on the bench to replace Luke Shaw. So Tunzi be Pat's player there. He played there at left-back last season against Arsenal. But Everton's two best chances, or certainly two best openings, came from Alex Awobi, who is a pretty erratic winger, but was clearly stimulated by coming up against auxiliary left-back. And if the core had connected with that, I think it was a 94th, 95th minute chance that he had and, and got an equaliser, it would have reflected pretty horrendously on Solskjaer because Tellez and Brandon Williams were both fit. They were both in the professional squad and they were both at Goodison Park, but neither of them were on the bench. And logically, on your bench, you would have a centre-back and a full-back. I know Tunzibi can, can play at full-back, but... I guess it was 
you know, Solskjaer might say it's Sod's law that of all the players to get injured, it's Luke Shaw. But given that his United debut was delayed by a month because of a hamstring strain and he was out for 96 days last season with a hamstring strain, I think the odds on him succumbing to injury first after a Wednesday night slog in Istanbul would have been pretty pretty short. But it's just interesting that Solskjaer hasn't taken any of those midfielders out of any of the matchday squads in the Premier League or the Champions League. The five subs rule might solve that and that he can justify keeping them all in and each of them has their merit. But at the moment, he seems pretty reluctant, possibly out of the stir it would, it would cause to, to drop one of them. But I think logically... Matic would be the full guy there. The trouble for United and Solskjaer is that if that happens, attention would obviously be drawn to the fact that here's a player who's given a three-year contract in early July, I think it was, and who's turning 32 a month later. But it's it's still a relevant point, I think, until benches are increased. And I think the Premier League have been behind the curve on that anyway. I mean, I think they only introduced... Uh, Seven subs, the seven substitutes rule permanently in, in 2008 and you look at the Bundesliga and Serie A they've been allowed to have I think nine or twelve substitutes for two or three years now Premier League clubs have got, have got very big squads the majority of them um, I think it should be given the opportunity certain clubs or all clubs rather should be given the option to have essentially a, a major tournament style 23 man squad on a match day they don't have to name up it can be, you know, you can name up to 12 substitutes. Um, and that would obviously ease, ease an issue or two for Solskjaer and avoid one or two uh, difficult conversations because someone like Williams, who could have been on the bench at Everton, you go back to August, he gets a new contract at the start of it. He's starting in the Europa League semi-final. Later that month, he gets a squad number upgrade at the start of the season. And he's not had a kick in the Premier League all season. I think he's been on the bench once. So that kind of gives you, that's, he kind of, exemplifies that the squad issues United have got, even though they have uh, got a couple of injuries to contend with now. Yeah, and I guess that the five substitutes rule, Ty, it does divide opinion because we've seen a lot of unpredictable results in the Premier League so far this season. The Liverpool game, 7-2, Aston Villa and various others, high-scoring, entertaining games, but it has come at the cost of some muscle injuries and, and fatigue. Is it for the best... I mean, I guess clubs like United and Liverpool will, will favour it, but is it for the best for the overall balance of the league? I think it is, yeah. I think it's kind of, it's reached a point where it's bigger than the balance of the league and, and teams getting shock results. It's about the welfare of the players and fundamentally the most important people involved in this sport are the players and the fact that they're being pushed to the limit and, and getting injured and you know getting seriously injured in some cases it is not right. And the fact that that might be happening because some managers and, and some clubs don't want to be flexible because they feel it might cost them the chance of a shock result is a pretty poor reflection on the, the, the selfishness of some of those Premier League clubs, I think, really. It's it's reached a point where it has to be about the bigger picture here and about looking after players. And fine, clubs who aren't in Europe might say, we only play once a week, we're, we're coping just fine. But at the end of the day, the, the clubs who are in Europe are, are being stretched. Some have got big squads, but those managers have got a responsibility as well to, to get results. And you know, it shouldn't be a case of they're having to play two separate teams in, in two separate competitions. I think it's, you know, when every other league in Europe has done it, and even now the EFL has done it, the fact you can have five subs in League Two this weekend and not in the Premier League is just completely laughable. And it, it should be embarrassing the Premier League into action, but it doesn't seem to. And, and I know that smaller clubs will argue against it. And next season, when hopefully we're back to normal, I'll join them in arguing against it, that it should be back to three subs. But this is a, a ridiculous one-off season. And I think 
you know, for the good of the players, especially with the European Championship at the end of it, we, we need to have, be having five subs. If, if we stick with three and it reaches a point where England flop in the summer with a team of players who can barely walk, then the only people to blame will be the ones who voted against five subs because the players come June and July are going to be absolutely shattered if, if we continue down the path we're going down at the moment. And, but you think United will benefit from it maybe in the short term this season, like Samuel said, that you know they could rotate their, their quality midfielders, they can they can mm. ease the load on, on star men. It'll, it'll, it will be a good thing for Solskjaer. Yeah, I think what we might see with five subs is that managers might make more, more changes from the start, really. At the moment, with three, it's difficult to make too many changes because you know you've only got three game-changing subs and you keep one of them back from an injury, that gives you two, really. If you know you've got five subs then we might see Solskjaer have more confidence to make four, five, six changes in a Premier League game and start Van der Beek and Pogba and Williams and, and a few other fringe players, knowing that he's got five subs up his sleeve. And even if you keep one for injury, that's four that can come on and, and revert a game back. So I think we might see managers make more changes from the start, conversely, knowing they've got more subs up their sleeve to use during a game. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how he plays out. I mean, I mean we mentioned him... A couple of times uh, in this podcast, Samuel, I can't go through a full podcast without mentioning Paul Pogba. Um, <laughs> the the France the France camp always seems to come out with a certain type of comment when Pogba is with them. I don't think it ever particularly goes down well in Manchester. Didier Deschamps uh, most recently saying that he doesn't think Pogba can be happy with his situation at United. We know about the contract situation, the Real Madrid links. Is, is this are we reaching breaking point? Do you think with Pogba at United now? I think there has to be an acceptance, as I've said before, that it's it's just not worked out. And unfortunately for Pogba, his his stock is probably the lowest it's been in his career. I'm struggling to think of a point, even in the last days of Mourinho at United, where where his stock was lower than it is at the moment because his form has been bad. He's not even a first teamer. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I know the situations are extremely different, but of course, with Mourinho, when he benched Pogba, he ended up getting sacked. With Pogba benching Pogba, it, it, he's not going to get sacked for that. I think when Mourinho was sacked, the Pogba issue was obviously factored into it when, when they took that decision. But Solskjaer has pretty much got universal backing at the moment because of how well Fred and McTominay complement each other and, and how Fernandez thrives with those two behind him. Uh, I, I've not been one of these people who think that Fernandes and Pogba can't play together. I think that that topic is, is pretty tedious, really. I mean, they can. They, they showed that post-lockdown when he came on against Tottenham and the run United went on after that. But you're probably not maximising the best out of both players because Pogba needs to be playing further forward or does he need to be playing further forward? I mean, again, that's a whole, you could have probably a series of podcasts on different topics of, of Paul Pogba. He is that topical whatever season, whether it's autumn, summer, spring, winter, whatever. Um, and, and here we are again after another international fortnight where he's, he's topical because someone has said something in the France camp and you could always predict it and it's been happening since Pogba um, started saying these things with France with other players I remember the, the Belgium camp used to be pretty rife with it because they had a lot of players who obviously you know, over the last 10 years Belgium have produced some some exceptional um, players and a lot of them have ended up in the Premier League and a lot of them have furthered their career by making moves to 
big six clubs. And I think it was Gary Cottrell of Sky Sports. I don't think he does it as much anymore, obviously because of the pandemic, but he always used to clean up in Belgium because they were pretty accommodating with media. And I think if someone from the MEM wanted to go out there, they'd probably be accommodating with them as well. Um, but most of their players are at big clubs now. So the, the enticement of going out there isn't as, as great as it once was. But with Pogba, I just think that next summer he, he has to be sold. He doesn't want to be at United anymore. I think the vast majority of United fans don't want him at the club anymore. He's not a first-teamer. And that's I, I guess that's maybe the issue at the moment, that he's a hard to, he's a hard sell to certain clubs or the limited clubs that that would want him. I know Zidane has, has wanted him for as long as he's been at Real Madrid as, as coach, but in the summer, he might not be coach. You could easily see Perez thinking, well, it's not worked out this time. Uh, we've not won a Champions League again. Someone else needs to come in. And I think if Perez had the choice of the two available Frenchmen next summer, it would probably be Mbappe. But given Pogba's contract situation, he has got to go. And there is probably a coach out there at an elite club who would coax the best out of him. I mean, Juventus, a coach by Pirlo now, who, who obviously played with Pogba, uh, while he was there, I think Pirlo joined the summer before Pogba at Juventus. So there's an obvious connection there that would work out. His fee isn't going to be that high or anywhere near as high as it would have been in 2019 or maybe even this summer. But a new a move was never on the on the cards, and the summer just gone for various reasons. So he's he's not going to unless he has a barnstorming four or five months. Uh, I don't think he's. I, I think United will struggle to get the eight to nine million they they paid for him in in 2016. And the more you think about it, the more they probably should have looked to sell him in 2019. But ultimately, his his resale value was very very high at that point, and nobody was ever going to come come near it. I think United were talking about him being worth 180 million pounds uh, at the time then, and I think that was a fair valuation because of the way the market was going but because of how depressed the market is at the moment um he's he's not going to be worth anywhere near i mean you're probably looking at half that or just just north of half, north of half that so uh it's you know it's it's in fact no that's that's just my bad maths there not north of, of that you're probably looking at less than half that uh for pogba but i think i've i'm just exhausted from talking about paul pogba now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know how you feel. I think we all know. We all know how you feel. It's just like I feel that United have they haven't moved on from from Pogba in terms of their their performances, and they haven't won leagues um, in the last year or two. But it feels tied to me like they have moved into a situation where they simply can can live without him. You know, they've got Donny Van der Beek now. They've got a midfield that seems to function well enough without Pogba. Fernandez has come in. Compare that to 2019 when they were considering a sale. I think that was at a time when United were looking at signing short Longstaff and the midfield was completely threadbare. It, it's a different situation now, isn't it? Yeah, massively. I mean, I imagine United would love to have the summer of 2019 back again and, and make a difference with Pogba, knowing what we know now with everything that's come after with his injuries and, and lack of impact and, and obviously the pandemic now. Um, it, it does feel like United are, are moving on from him. It's, it's difficult to see how he gets games in this team at the moment. Because when he's played in deeper role this season, it, it did work with Matic for a spell last season. But this season, it's like teams have kind of clocked out where United's weak belly is. And when, when those two played those first three league games of the season, or two of the first three, they were so easy to play through. And the number of times that you know the Tottenham, Brighton and Palace had runners at United's defence with no protection for a midfield was was frightening, really. I don't think it's any coincidence that the defensive record has improved since 
they've been replaced by by Fred and McTominay. So it's hard to see how he gets games at the moment unless Solskjaer suddenly decides just to field a much more attacking team, almost a City-esque 4-3-3 with, with two number eights and play Pogba and Fernandes together in that role. But I can't see that happening. I don't think United's defence is good enough for that to happen. I don't think they can play a high enough line for that to happen. So it is difficult to see how his situation changes from being an impact sub at the moment. And he's probably the one of the best paid impact subs in the world. And it, it, I mean, really, United just need out of this situation now. He's clearly not going to sign. It doesn't seem, seem like he's going to sign a new contract. If he wants to leave, it's not his interest to sign a new contract. Like someone says, the problem is who's who's going to buy him? Real Madrid didn't spend a penny, I don't think, in the summer. We don't know when crowds are going to be back in ground, when revenue is going to improve. Real want Mbappe, so it's difficult to see how they can really afford Pogba, maybe Juventus, but if there's only one team interested in him in January or next summer, then, I mean, United might be struggling to get 20, 25 million for him when he's available on a free a year later in, in this market. Teams might just want to wait. So it's difficult to see how they get anything approaching the fee they would have wanted for him now, but it feels like it's just a case of cut your losses. And if the situation continues as it is until the end of the season, then just if 25, 30 million to best you can get, just take it and, and start afresh because at the moment it does feel like it's just going nowhere and, and going around in circles. Yeah, Ty, perhaps, would you start uh, to, sorry, Ty, would you no, start no, him no. against West Brom? Mm, potentially, yeah, but probably in place of Fernandez because. If, I mean, while he's here, it feels like you can play. Yeah, but United are playing twice a week for what ten weeks in a row now, twelve weeks in a row. Can Fernandez play every one of those games? I Probably think he not. needs to play West Brom rather than Bazak Sahir for me. Fernandez, I think the West Brom is a bigger game for United. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because if United, United were well placed in the Champions League, but suddenly they kind of need a win on Tuesday to to settle any nerves about throwing that group away. I mean, United should be beating. West Brom, whether Fernandez plays or Pogba plays really in that attacking role. So you'd perhaps consider Pogba starting in, in one of them while he's while he's at the club. But then his best performances recently have been as an impact sub. So maybe you just keep him there and use him for 20 minutes off the bench. Yeah, United didn't particularly seem to, to miss him from the start against Everton when the midfield functioned um, quite well. And obviously, I've been writing that Van der Beek is, is sort of the heir to his, his position. I mean, We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll pick up this topic uh, at another stage um, in the future. But I guess I'll talk a little bit more about the, the West Brom game and what's to come for United because it is a, a hectic period. I'm sure Solskjaer will be delighted um, with Bazak Sahir uh, to come on Tuesday and then a big game against Southampton next weekend. Touched on it there, Samuel. How, how would you sort of rotate the, the team over the next week or two? If United got to pick, pick their battles or... On the fixture list, it looks like they should really be trying to, to win all these next four or five games. Yeah, I think that was what was particularly gutting about the Basaksa here defeating the if they'd won that, which they should have done. And I think the team that you put out was was perfectly fine uh, and good enough to win that game. But if they'd won that and then they won on um, Tuesday or Wednesday, then it's they're, they're through effectively to the knock. Get to the knockout stage with with two games in hand, and he can rest players. Um, so where he's in a bit of an invidious position now, and also you know, there's the issue about his future. And it was around this time last year that he was. He was he, the phrase that that I was told at the time was that he was on the rocks. But then he had those two wins against United, those two wins against Spurs and City, and obviously the the mood completely changed there. But he is going to have to rotate quite a bit. I think that with 
with the Champions League games, certainly the, the one coming up against Basak here, you're probably looking at about five or six changes again. And I think he can do that without compromising the, the quality of the team. When it was the Norwich game, the FA Cup game in June, I think it was, you went to tie. He had that daft logic about, well, it's only one change from the, the Derby game that was about four months previously and was belonged in a parallel universe. And of course, they made hard work of it because he it made him it was just mass rotation there was no fluency and they just about got through in the end uh so i think he has learned his lesson from that in that there's a fine line between two excessive changes and an agreeable amount of changes and at the risk of looking ahead you are looking at it and thinking dean henderson comes in i mean i've been told henderson was promised he'd start both ties against bassacks here and fair enough um, you're maybe looking at two and ZB coming in, maybe one of the fullbacks coming in, two, two or three changes in the front seat. So there you've got five or six changes overall. Um, and that's that's pretty logical, I think, at the moment. I think a lot of clubs uh, are doing this. And in the Champions League, you can make five substitutions. So if if United are in a position to rest players, they're, they're jolly well going to do that. I mean, I think them at their zenith last season was shortly after lockdown when they were winning games after an hour and he was able to make, you know, triple changes with half an hour to go and then maybe a double change change with 20 minutes to go. Uh, that That is absolutely manner of heaven for Solskjaer right now. If he can get back to that, that would be brilliant. But it's it's a different season um, in in both senses of the word, and you know, the players' durability they're a lot more brittle, they're a lot more susceptible to injury because it is you know winter is coming, and um, that that it's it's getting a bit chilly as it is at the moment. So the condition of the players is is absolutely vital, but I think you know, every medical department is just you know, fighting against the tide at the moment, and I don't think they're going to be able to turn it. It's interesting to me as well that. Some United players seem to never get rested. Harry Maguire never seems Maguire. to rest whenever he's fit. Yeah, mm. and Bruno Fernandes sometimes stays on when he looks completely shattered at times. Social, social need to relax that policy as well, Tyrone. Surely everyone needs a rest. It can't just apply to to some people. Yeah, definitely. And that was noticeable with Fernandes towards the back end of last season when he played a lot after lockdown and towards the end of those Europa League games especially he looked shattered and his influence waned badly and we've seen that United really need Fernandez on his game to to work as an attacking force at the moment he's he's had a couple of poor games this season and when he has a poor game United really struggle again going forward so United need the best Fernandez on the pitch as often as possible but the only way they'll get that is by not keeping him on the pitch that often conversely so they do need to pick and choose his battles he I don't think he should start against West Brom and Istanbul Basak here I think one of those at least he, he should be on the bench for and you know United do need to treat him and Rashford as well especially Rashford has featured in 25 or 26 games since the season since last season restarted in June which considering he'd been out for six months I think before that is it's a hell of a workload. You add in his England appearances as well, and it's hardly a surprise that he's picked up an injury. He's another who... I mean, the amount of football he's played for a young player since his debut is, is absolutely frightening how often, how many games he's played. So he's another that United need to take good care of. And if he's not right, then he shouldn't be playing this weekend. And, and if you can rest him against Istanbul, do that as well. And these players, those two especially, I think, going forward, are ones you've really got to manage carefully because United need those two at the best. And if they flog them too hard and find to come, January, they've got nothing left to give. Nothing left, nothing left to give. 
then they might find it's going to be a very long four or five months till the end of the season. Yeah, Christmas is going to be a very, very busy period indeed. Uh, I'm going to finish off with uh, with predictions for the West Brom game. It, it feels like the old days at United where it's one of those home games against a, a lesser team in the league where it just they just have to win it and they will win it, Samuel. Are you confident? I mean, the, the irony is the last time they played West Brom at home, it did feel like a home banker and they lost and Man City won the league. But I, I do think they'll win this weekend. I know that even factoring in all the you know international disarray and uh, issues they've had around that uh, I, I, and, and the fact they've not won at home for quite some time in the Premier League as well I still think that this this should be a home win if it isn't then um, it's it's going to be it's just mounting mounting problems for South Carolina. I'll go 3-0. That's, uh, that's as confident as we can get from Samuel I think usually. Tyrone <laughs> do you share that uh, that optimism? Yeah, I was going to say three 0 as well, actually. So um, I'll I'll double up on the on yeah. the three 0 and yeah, it, it, it's a game they've just got to win. I mean, it shouldn't even be up for debate, should it? United v West Brom at home should just be one where we just say, yeah, home win. Let's move on to the next game. Make a couple of changes, get it in the bag. Doesn't feel like that's probably going to be the case at the moment, but this this should be routine. Billich is under pressure, and they do badly need a win, and they need a win as well just to sort of sort this home record out. I know they've beaten Leipzig there this season, but the home record in the Premier League is, is pretty poor, dating back to those draws with Southampton and West um, Ham last season. So they, they do kind of need a win. They don't want to make Old Trafford too easy a place to, to come to. Obviously, the lack of fans is a contributing factor there. But if they could have a commanding win on Saturday, then it'll probably set them up fairly nicely for a spell where momentum is probably going to be quite important. Yeah, West Brom were the undoing of uh, of David Moyes, of course, in that famous season. They have enjoyed themselves at Old Trafford in the past, but uh, we shall see how they, they play out. Um, big predictions for United win there from our two guys. And that wraps up our podcast for today. Thank you, uh, Samuel and Tyro, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. And thanks for watching this. If you've been watching it on our Facebook live page and if you've been listening, remember to give us a like and a subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And we'll be back again soon for another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast.